Whistler. The Whistler. Susie's least favorite thing. <laughs> I feel like there should be like a Marvel comic villain named the Whistler. <gasps> Why isn't there? Yeah, because it's haunting. The Whistler. <laughs> Episode 435. No, I mean... Just hearing a whistle makes me, it, it like goes up my spine. Let's, let's talk about, oh, it's like one of those. It's like a heebie-jeebie noise. Yeah, I think it's because it tends to be like real creepy dudes that tend to do it. Just oh. out and about. Because they want attention. Yeah. They don't know how to get it. So they just whistle like weirdos. Well, Not what if you, they just Sarah. have a song in their head? <laughs> it's only you. <laughs> That's only me? I'm the only one out there? Yes, that's why you whistle. That's not why other people whistle. This is true. Remember when we were in Brazil and we were staying at that hostel where everything was hilarious? <laughs> and the we were, it was one of those, well, this is kind of like how almost every uh, uh, apartment and like hotel is in, <laughs> at least in Europe, where they, it all seems to like turn a face inwards towards an open courtyard <laughs> yeah. where everything echoes. Like <laughs> you've so built a, a chamber uh, that, that amplifies the Terrible. smallest yeah. s- noise and made everybody's bedroom face it. So <laughs> is that what we had gu- going on? I don't remember. Yes. That. Yes. And there was a man who was downstairs <laughs> at the very bottom level and he was sweeping and he was whistling. Oh no. Dare I say wh- while he worked. <laughs> And, <laughs> no. And you were having none of it. I must have blocked it out. Clearly, because this happened. This was like two days straight. Oh and you're like, God. oh no, he's I'm at it again. again. And this was the hotel where, you know, we had like wanted so bad yeah. to do our laundry and thought there was going to be a washing machine. And then there was just a washboard. <laughs> so we were already upset. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But yeah, you did not. That's where I learned of your hatred for whistling. Yeah, it's so rude. Like, you don't mm-hmm. think other people can hear you, dipshit? Mm-hmm. Like it's but is there, there any situation like what if you were I had no intention of talking about this but it is <laughs> one of my favorite subjects is there any situation where you're like yeah what that a whistle is nice we're like because I feel like you whistling I would enjoy <laughs> just randomly no but like like whistling a tune no you would not you would definitely yes, would. not enjoy it any more than singing wouldn't you rather hear somebody sing? Not if they can't sing. <laughs> then they should zip it. <laughs> Period. That is the end of this Susie, discussion. <laughs> you are breaking your own rule that you said way back when in a podcast, because I always remember these things, because mm-hmm. they're great for me to bring up later, where you said, people, we shouldn't worry about how well you can sing. You should just be able to sing, and we've kind of made the bar too high, and that makes people not want to sing. I can't so believe I whistling, said that. That is yeah, uncharacteristic right. of my it personality. It totally is. But you, you, this was in your year of more music. Oh, right. So I was <laughs> skewed in the, that direction. I mean, I do feel like that definitely privately. But I, yeah. I feel like it's the same reason I don't want you to fart in front of me. It's oh, your yeah. fart infests my this air. This is true. This and is true. similarly, your whistle infests my um, ear holes. You're so right. Welcome. Because yes, and you know what? Maybe it's because I haven't been out like in a you know because I, I always think about how happy I am in in my favorite store, Home Goods, yeah. and <laughs> I always whistle in there because I'm just like you whistle to be in there. a store. 
Suze, this is where I realized that I was the whistler. <laughs> Did because someone I was tell like, you to stop? <gasps> It's me. No, but we had done, we had like previously talked about this yeah. and like how you hated that. And I was like, yeah, who is that person? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, fuck. It's and then me. you looked in the mirror. Yes, in one of the beautiful mirrors that they have there. Oh, and if HomeGoods would like to sponsor us, <laughs> stop whistling, you and everyone yeah. else. Everyone yeah. will be glad Ooh. you did. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. How are you, Suze? Real good. I mean, yeah. real good. Is that true? Absolutely not. In fact, oh, okay. no one in this... I was thinking about this this morning as I got ready. No, <laughs> Not one person in this world is living their best life right now. Not one person in this world. Yeah, you because cr- 2020 well, is the worst. And maybe you're not miserable. Maybe you're doing okay. But it's not the, your best life because you're limited. You can't go out much. You might get sick. There's like an asterisk that says living your best life, all things considered. Yeah, for sure. That I think people are doing, some people, but most of us. And what else can you do? Yeah, that's all we can do. So like, what else? We're fine. I feel, yeah, yeah, we're fine. (laughs) No, I feel like I'm in the, in the stage of acceptance. I'm starting to, Mm -hmm. I'm entering into, like I've gone, I'm like leaving denial. Yeah, get there. It's really nice here because then just the smallest of things can make you pretty happy. Like when the sun comes out or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really nice. <laughs> I'm trying to go, I'm trying to like, because like campsites are open and they're doing these like book, oh, like yeah. doing every other campsite. So I'm trying to book some time out in nature. Okay. I'm hoping that that, because I feel like living in a city and seeing a lot of concrete, like that's kind of, you know, not good for my soul. As, even though my house is filled with plants. Yeah, if you're going to do anything... Do so I would say the camping's the only kind of acceptable yeah. option. Yeah, just me and Ren. We already share each other's germs. Yeah. So that might do yeah. you a world of good. Yeah, but it is just like accepting because for a long time, I think you know, even when I bring up home goods, there's a little part of me that's like, oh. Uh. <laughs> Oh, and, uh, you know, th- our previous talks about buffets did help me, like, just kind of process that and realize that that's not going to be a thing anymore. And then somebody was like, hey, don't worry. Wicked Spoon is still open in Vegas. And first of all, I was like, mm, definitely not going to Vegas, you know. And then uh, second of all, they said that the people bring the food to you. And I was like, that defeats the whole purpose. Wait, really? I, so you just yeah. say, here's what I want from the buffet? I mean, maybe. Weird. I guess. But I want the control. Yeah. Yeah. You like a little of a lot. I <laughs> Put it on my tombstone. No, it gets Sarah, she liked a little of a lot. It's funny every time. <laughs> but that makes total sense. Yeah. Because oh once you commit to a meal, a regular meal, you get a lot of a, lo- of a little. Mm-hmm. And you would rather have a little of a lot. I would. And I know that there's a joke in here to segue to the story that I have. <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll work on it. But did you hear about the penis that was reattached? No, that's great. Yes. But see, like, yeah, work on that. Like a little of a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. He got a lot when he, you know, thought he was yeah, going to we'll, only get a little. We'll blah, blah, blah. It. It's in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. In in the UK, the good old surgeons out there reattached this guy's <laughs> penis after uh, being like uh, I think there's a fancy name for it. I can't remember what it's called, but without like circulation 
for oh my God. guess how many hours? Guess how many Ooh. hours? Oh, his penis was without blood flow for guess how many hours? Okay. Um, I guess I would say two. 23. <gasps> oh, God. You, so, okay, I should say, I'm going to tell you about this, but trigger warning. <laughs> okay, okay. This is, this is, a, this trigger? is one, like, you're, like, this will make you feel like, okay, like, gotcha. Okay. And I don't even, I don't have a penis. Right. So okay. I can only imagine if you be are a male warned. listening, be warned. Like, mm-hmm. this makes me like, woo, cringe down there. And I could just imagine. So, 33 year old man who was, uh, had like a history of schizophrenia, mm-hmm. uh, attempted to kill himself and in the process tried to amputate well did successfully amputate his penis then there it's interesting because this article i read specified a few things like there were a few things that they were very specific about that (laughs) i was like oh that's an interesting thing to be specific about but there's probably a reason for that they said had amputated his penis with a clean knife so oh god i think that these all these things all contribute to that 23 hours thing Okay. I had to take a sip of my drink because, whew, it's getting me all, <laughs> you know, worked up thinking about this already. Mm. So, yeah. So, he uh, 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 cut it off and then he passed out and, you know, oh, was found God. unconscious later. And then he was taken to the hospital and they were able to put his penis on ice. And oh, he severed sake. it at one inch uh, from what they call the penile root. Look, I learned a whole oh, bunch of new God. words. Uh-huh. See, I was like, whoop. And they identified... The veins and the nerves, and they were able to reattach all those. And it was the first time the average. There were a whole. Can you believe? What would you guess? Oh, I love playing these guessing games. What would you guess the average time uh, uh, of separation? Like, uh, oh, right. Like, let's bef- see. When you could still reattach? Yes. I guess I would say two hours. Seven. Oh, God. That penis could sit there for seven hours. Yes. There were studies that were done that said you need to operate within at least 15 hours of separation. So what that did in some cases, because, like, uh, apparently this is a thing that, like, happens enough for there to be multiple studies on this, which is really scary. But I guess accident, car accidents, Yeah, accidents is one thing. Well, yeah. Or a situation like this where paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah, but, okay, if you had an accident... Why would you? Why would there even be seven hours before you're like, maybe I should well, go get this? What if you off. like felt? I. What if you had? A, what if you were in a car accident where you got trapped and you <laughs> fell down a ravine and then a side the side of the car door sliced through Good and it like Lord, sliced Sarah. your leg and that seems very. That look, there aren't very many places like if you were to divide the body and 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 like certain angles, all that. It that seems very plausible. It just seems very specific, this example you're giving. Well, I, I, you said, like, when could that happen? I gave you a, a one I very... how often. Yeah, well, I, enough for there to be studies, I guess, that for there to right. be an average. I okay. didn't look into that. Okay, so Because I didn't guy, want to do a deep dive on this one. So to speak. I thought, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so wait. Yes. This loser... Yes. Wants to kill himself, oh, and yes. then... This individual suffering from mental health issues, go on. <laughs> okay. You can have mental health issues and be a loser, which to me, well, okay. So this guy decides he wants to kill himself, which is bad enough and terrible. But then why would that mean he would chop off his dick too? I, well, I, that's too many steps. That's the, that's the mental health issues coming in. There's something about that going on because like, then my question, see, 
the thing that I wonder too, which you know, we'll get back to the you know rest of the story, like and him, the whole surgery and everything like that. Well, but could, what on, happens afterwards when he when he is unmedicated again, and if there's something going on psychologically where he like wants to, you know, like phantom limb, like those yeah. people are always going to be like, <laughs> so is this like a? I am very serious about I know, that's this. That's what's making me laugh, actually. I'm sorry. I know you're serious and you want to be respectful. <laughs> sorry. Go See, ahead. this is the problem. I'm like coming in in therapist mode, and you know, I should have, I should have, like, uh, I mean, I feel I bad know. for him. Believe me, yeah. that's terrible yeah. that he was that sick. But yeah. I just need a little bit more information, which I guess. Well, we don't you know have. how, like. You know how they won't, they won't, and, and this, you know, I'm like, it does sound funny, but I'm saying this seriously too, okay. but you know how, how somebody on the transfer list, like organ donor list or, or like recipient, mm-hmm. yeah, they make sure that they've never had any suicide attempts oh. or they, um, well, at least based on what I've seen on medical, uh, yeah, uh yeah. dramas. So I don't know. This was on like house. Why and they don't those waste cases. it. Yeah. Because like, mm-hmm. could you imagine if you were like on a donor list and then you get the the organ yeah and then you commit suicide and the person underneath you dies because underneath you like the next person on the list oh yes right the person who would have received that yeah but i don't know that may i have absolutely zero information on whether that's true or not like that was just (laughs) like a situation that i saw on definitely on one of those medical dramas so do not somebody's gonna be like that is not how it happens we don't know anything i don't know anything you know yes so the doctors were successfully able to reattach this and uh, this his penis, mm-hmm. and they used a vein grafted from his arm, oh and they added God. that, and they were able to connect all of the major nerves. And then the wow. patient reported a return of sensation in the penis and a spontaneous mm. erection six weeks after. Wow! Yes, I'm happy for him. I hope that he starts life anew. Yeah, me too. So we know at least he's like after six weeks, he's you know still. Yeah. okay yeah yeah and then he was able, he got a skin graft later and that was successful so it said that they're like really in, encouraged you know by the uh, uh outcomes of this and what the surgeons were saying which i thought was such a good point so so why all those numbers matter that we were talking about in like the studies and like yeah. oh how often does that happen kind of thing so if you're reading a study and and this is like what you do and you like attach i don't know reattachment whatever and you find like, oh, wow, the studies show that you can't atta- reattach anything successfully or after, or like the longest has been 15 hours. I shouldn't even try. And so mm. people have maybe given up and haven't even attempted surgeries or reattachments in the past. And I feel like this doesn't just go with, you know, the penis, obviously. This goes with like any limb. Yeah. It kind of makes you think like, like maybe, you know, these these like, I don't know, outliers are the ones who like success stories after something like this help kind of yeah give people hope and yeah gosh because i never even thought about that if you were like oh well it's been 20 hours and they say 15 is the longest it's been this thing's definitely not going to make it no there's no way we won't even try Mm -hmm. and then this you know this one like somebody just tried i hope he's ship shape mentally now too yeah i hope so too i hope they reattached that and got him some mental health you know for sure. 
help. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. Well, kudos to the doctors. What a miracle. I am yeah. so glad there are people that are super smart about things I can't even imagine. Oh my gosh. I was thinking about that the other day. A really yeah. long time ago, um, I was in a class where, what was it? It was like interpersonal relations or something like that, which was just like really cool sounding. And I was like, yeah, I'll sign up for that. Um, and <clears throat> somebody drew a pie chart or the professor, like and was talking about this, like, well, have somebody drew a pie chart and then it was like 85%, 90% of the pie chart they like marked off. And then like 5% of the pie chart was like stuff I know. And then like <laughs> oh 10% of the stuff was like stuff I don't know or stuff, stuff I know that I don't know. Mm. And then the rest of it, they colored it in and was like, this is the percentage that are, are things that I don't even know that I don't know. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the, that's crazy. I mean, it's just, that's what I say. Like, cause Lincoln doesn't enjoy reading. So I always have to try to mm. convince him that it's a worthy pursuit. And I'm always saying like, it is so, you wouldn't believe how much you can learn and know and cool stuff too, not boring stuff. Mm. And because that's how I feel. My book list keeps growing and stuff because there's just like, oh my God, I need to know about that and that and that. Yeah. It's so fun. Do you find like you're reading more recently? Yes, I'm back on track. Me, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with like a different intention too because there is a little more of like an escape in it where it feels <laughs> nice yeah. to do that. You know, yeah. because now that I think about, oh yeah, this is like therapy right now. Woo! Good, good. Um, now that I think about that, even being online and like before that was kind of like what, you know, I used almost to like check out of my head a little bit sure. and like, you know, you go break. on social media, you go on Twitter, whatevs. And now that feels sometimes like a task and maybe overwhelming if you're either following the wrong things or you're just going in there and looking at news and, yeah. you know, that follow can be political draining. stuff could be so draining. And so going in and like going back to reading, you know, and even reading like in book form. Yeah. I definitely prefer you know? the hard books. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Cause then I, I, oh gosh, I got really into a book and then you combine a passion for reading and wanting to like finish the book with a screen that keeps you up all night. I didn't go to bed till freaking three o'clock in the morning. Right. Exactly. And so what the heck? Yeah, yeah. I definitely prefer the actual physical books, but yeah. I will say the Kindle or eBooks are so handy. Like for instance, if I'm putting Lincoln yeah. to bed and I can't yeah. have a light on, then oh, I can yeah, still yeah, yeah. do something yeah. while... He's yeah. Oh, I'm going to get you one of those little night, those book lights. <laughs> right? Those are cute. Yeah. I've seen those. They're great. I'm definitely going to put that yeah, on put my that list because I'm, I'm going to get my, I'm going to get, yeah, that's coming up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love other people's birthday. Well, I mean, those are the things we have to celebrate right now. That's all right we've now. got, right. Right. It's like, look, I'm like creating holidays. Are you kidding me? It's like all we got over here. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. What was yeah. it? Yeah. You did this Christmas. This is for this is for real. Um, okay, what was I going to tell you about with the books? You were talking about Lincoln. Oh, I was going to say something. But okay, anyways, never mind. Yes, so that's my penis reattachment story. <laughs> Thank you. I had, to, I had to share that one. Yeah, that's a bit and of good news. Yeah, it's a big bit of good news. And now I have another story for you okay. that is 
you know, of course. It's 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 not even like I try <laughs> to find <laughs> stories on this topic. The stories find me yeah. at this, this about point. Poo? It's uh, I mean it's uh, in in the in the it would be under the umbrella of poo related topics. Okay, like, I'm all yours. Uh I have a story about a toilet garden. Garden, okay. Yes. Awesome. So at first, I was like, this sounds great. It says toilet garden owner asserts village won't uh, unseat his art. So he's like, <laughs> "Hey, town, town. You're not Yeah, town. Oh, whatever. <laughs> like he lives in a small town because like I'll get to the name of the town in okay. just a sec." Okay. So he's like this guy and he's like you don't i have every right to show my toilet garden off and like here's me at first reading upon reading the headline (laughs) i go i support this guy i love gardens yeah i think this is going to be great material for the podcast so thank you (laughs) for putting so what he does is he puts the put he turns toilets into like flower pot like you know he makes them the containers that you know the pots the flowers grow out of. Sure, you can yeah. kind of like imagine. Okay. And so, I'm a lover of all things flowers. But then I read on and I find out what inspired this stupid garden. And now <laughs> I'm mad at him. So oh, let me okay. tell you the story. So this guy's name is Frederick Hank Robar. <laughs> Which also let's talk about that. Your name's Frederick and you go by Hank. Yeah, that's. Was that just like? I just decided to change my name to Hank because that sounded cooler. Although, to be fair, Henry and Hank really aren't connected, and yet that's accepted, so. Yeah, but his name's Frederick. No, I we're, don't. We don't like, even have any shared letters. Okay, fair enough. Except the K at the end. So yeah. we're going to call him Fred. So, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> Out of disrespect. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, first of all, the town is Potsdam, New York. And I don't oh. think I'm mispronouncing that. But that <laughs> okay. sounds way too close to, like, potty dam or doesn't the name in and of itself sound like it could be a name you could substitute for like toilet for sure hang on let me go hit the pots dam i'll be right with you (laughs) stop it right totally so i was like okay uh, first of all that's like the same thing as your last name being like if you're gonna live in a town (laughs) like this and maybe who knows maybe that inspired him to to do this and like have this reaction Mm -hmm. so he like popped up on this vi- and also i maybe use the word village because they they call it a village in the article okay. i read so now i just am re- looking at this i'm like oh because they call it a village so uh in 2004 he wanted the city to change the zoning laws because dunkin donuts had offered <laughs> to buy his property yeah. and he they were like no this is a residential zone like you can't put a du- you're not putting a dunkin donuts here and he was like mm, i want to put a dunkin donuts here and they were like no sir you can't so he was like well fuck you guys i'm gonna build a toilet garden so because he like they he couldn't build a dunkin donuts this guy built a toilet garden he's like well i'll give you something to look at so Stop. at first i was like cheering him on because i'm all about somebody like making a garden and yeah. and like i was like you can't because remember the lady with the with the flintstone house yes i was for her i was with her yeah you like a bit of whimsy i do i'm a fan <laughs> i'm a fan However, no, you don't, I don't like, like a action. I, correct. <laughs> so they've given him like uh, uh, they gave him a violation, a code violation, mm-hmm. and then he was like supposed to appear in court. And then the police officer who cited him 
never showed up. So they, like, that, you know, wasn't pursued. Apart from his motivation, I think that people should be allowed to do that with their toilets. Yes, totally. Yeah. I totally get, I am with him. But what I don't like Mm -hmm. is that he's trying to commercialize his neighborhood. And because the city is like, well, no, we would like that to stay a garden. And he was like, I'll give you a garden. (laughs) To be fair, though, Dunkin' Donuts, delicious. Not a fan. <gasps> Sarah! Uh, what kind of yeah, donuts like, do you like? I don't like? know if I've really explored the menu. <laughs> the menu! <laughs> like, it's so expansive. <laughs> it's a Michelin restaurant. Is this because you're from LA? People don't like yeah. Dunkin' Donuts here. What do you well, like? Well, because we didn't even have them. Right. That's like a new thing. I, I didn't even experience a Dunkin' Donuts until I went to New York or lived in New York. I don't know if you can call it lived. And I was there for the real world. And I still feel weird when I was like, oh, yeah, I lived in Brooklyn once. I'm like, nah. <laughs> lived implied like That's how I you feel were like, too. like I didn't somehow live in paying Australia. Rent. Right. Right. I was like, I don't know. So I was on a strange a vacation. trip. An extended vacation. vacation. Extended vacation slash work. So you don't like Dunkin' Donuts, even though you should. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, because I, well, first of all, I don't like coffee. With any kind of flavor. I'm like super mm-hmm. anti like the the sweet kind of stuff. Okay. So that is like not of interest to me. I don't like donuts that are cake, like the cake donuts. I'm not even a big donut wow. fan. I'm like super kind of picky about that. This is um, crazy. Yeah. Recently I have acquired a taste for donuts, but not still not the cake kind, those traditional cakey kinds. Blech. Really? And they're so dry. I know. Yeah. I know. Well, those I just are have my a muffin. favorite. Yeah. I'll just and, have a muffin. Yeah. <laughs> which is essentially a breakfast cake it so really is i am all for that <laughs> and um yes and then when the one thing that i did because oh, like when i was there and they had dunkin donuts now i'm saying this i i was on the show and i mm. felt this weird pressure to like be very aware of what i was eating and like not gain any weight and I knew that I could use food as a coping strategy and I didn't want to do that. So I would always get like the healthy thing at, at Dunkin' Donuts was like the egg white, nothing. And those aren't good anywhere. No. So if I'm going to eat healthy, I'm going to eat at home and I'm going to like, you know, right. the stuff. I'm going to eat Dunkin' Donuts, like freaking eat. I'm going to eat a donut. So that's why. And like, not, like so I have Yeah, you don't want to go not- healthy from a place like that. Right. I haven't tried the right things. That's mm-hmm. what I mean when I say I haven't explored Okay, the whole there's menu. still time. There's still time. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think they do have people love it, so they're so good. Yeah. So that's why I was like, mm, I don't want Dunkin' Donuts. Plus I think that would like if you're you know, change the neighborhood. <laughs> it's a village for goodness sakes. I love how that matters. I mean it just says it like I could just say well, I don't know. Uh, uh, Potsdam. What's Potsdam, New York like? How do you Annie spell Hibbles. that? P-O-T-S-D-A-M. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this guy has like, and now he like, he has, he's in this picture right here. He's got like a t-shirt on that says like potty town. Oh, for Pete's sake. For Pete's sake. Exactly. That's so, great. so like, and he like, it looks like exactly how you had imagined him to look. Like, oh. Like, ah, get off my lawn. Really? Like, Crotchety old man. That. Oh, for sure. I'm, I'll send you a picture. I bet he doesn't have a lot tell. of friends in the village. Oh, I bet he doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he's not well, helping matters. 
Yeah, what if that's how he got all those toilets? People were like, you're a shitty person. <laughs> and they like would dump their old toilets in, the, in his thing. And he's like, mm, I'm just going to turn this into art, which I, again, would like, but yeah. not spiteful and vengeance-like art. You know, it would be or cool if you like had that. a toilet that you planted stuff in, but it was somehow still hooked up to water because then you could flush it and it would water it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Just something to think about. If you're I like that. That would be it. cool. Somebody's going to definitely invent something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but... Well, because it'd be great. People are very bored right now, so <laughs> they do weird things. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So let's see. What story do I want to tell you about next? I have so many fun things to share with you. You're cracking um, me up today. Really? Yeah, you're in my opinion you're being extra hilarious. Extra Oh, I love when you say that. Mm-hmm. It's because you put me in a good mood before we Oh, I we, hope so. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with you this weekend. It's yes. been too long. Yeah. I mean, we're I'm still going to stay it. far apart. Yes. But we will yeah. be nearby. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Just oh, other humans. I another human. Cuz I know that yeah. a lot of people are getting very you know, fast and loose with the regulations, but I am not. And right. so Can't. I really am starved for interaction. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, we'll come. Yeah. We'll come over and we'll help you out. Time. Yeah. I won't and get I'm donuts. Like, well, I mean, you can. Yeah, more for me, I, right? I do love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I was telling this to Ren the other day because um, we were ordering Indian food and I love samosas. Yes, like, you do. I love them. And <laughs> and he was like, you know, I put them on the cart and I'm like reading them off the things I'm going to get. And he was like, well, you don't, you know, uh. I'm like, oh, you, you don't really like those? And he was like, no, no, they're not my favorite. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love them. Well, you know, I'm going to get them, of course. Um, but I I was like, oh yeah, that's right. You don't, he said they were too doughy or too bready. And I was like, oh, okay, that's right. You don't like things that are crusty. And he's like the guy who doesn't eat the crust on his bread wow. and, or crust on his pizza. Huh. It's perfect because guess what my favorite part of the pizza yeah, is? Yeah, that is a perfect partnership. Yes. And yeah. he was like saying it like he had to apologize. And I was like, uh, Dream you come do not true. need to apologize for this. This is my <laughs> ideal scenario. Yeah, you complete because me. Because I'm going to get two of those samosas in that order. And I don't have to look longingly at the last bite of yours when I've already <laughs> scarfed mine down. Because that's usually what happens. I am the fastest eater, and then like on with delicious food, I'll always be like, "Oh, that looks so good!" Oh my god, you know? really? Like, when what? someone's yeah. still eating, I have to like slow down. I have to learn how to so do that. So cute! It's so. It is. <laughs> <laughs> that's adorable. I'm eating like I don't know, like tiger feeding. Yeah, like tiger feeding. Well, oh. just to follow up on the donut conversation, I just remembered yeah. that I love donuts so much that I keep a bag in my nightstand. They're called <laughs> the Hostess Donuts. Yeah, like smaller I know version. <laughs> and um, it was midnight two nights ago, or like the middle of the night. And yeah. Lincoln wakes up and he goes, I need a snack. And I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> me too. And I got the bag out, and the three of us just sat there eating donuts in silence in the dark. Oh my gosh! It was great. That's what I want. That life. Yeah, I ten want out of ten would so recommend. Bad. That's the best. And Suze, I really love that you're normalizing uh, 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 nightstand snacks. Yeah, right now that's essential. Yeah, because I got a stash of Sour Patch Kids in there that I'm a little bit ashamed of, and now I'm feeling like, where's the, oh my why God. do I need to be ashamed of that? No, I keep all kinds of food in my nightstand. Yeah, 
Like it is I the love most when fun. you always say, "Well, I wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers." <laughs> right. I encourage it. Yep. Because I'm a, I'm a, I'm not a fan of what I call bread crumb or bed crumbs. I. That's funny, but yes, I yeah. know what you mean. It is a pain, but it's yeah, worth so it. Bed crumbs. Because you can. If it's like late at night, maybe you're watching something on Netflix or something, yeah. and you're like, "Man, I could really go for some Doritos." Look no further. I have them in my nightstand. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. The only place it. I did feel like it was acceptable was on the challenge, and it was not only acceptable; it was necessary because that was the only what way kind of you're going to. Did you keep in? Dude, around? I kept entire hamburgers in there after we had <laughs> oh, yeah. our our entire fast food Thursdays. Please. I do not even care if people are like, Ugh, that would go bad. No. Have you seen those studies on McDonald's French fries? Probably not. Yeah, that's like, like the best thing about them. If you've seen those, you probably know those won't go bad is what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So we're good. <laughs> it was fine. It actually was what fueled me to almost win. But then Susie beat me. <laughs> it was close though. Yeah. I hope that people will take pictures of it if they have nightstand snacks or yes. like maybe like car console snacks. That's also popular. Yes. Tag us in those pictures. I I'm love totally it. going to take a picture of my night. No, now I'm going to like actually create like a little like nightstand. Yeah. Make it a thing. You know? Yeah. I'm like a big fan of, of like food stations or yes. well, in, in, in bedrooms, like making it like a hotel room. Yes. Like I'm super into that, like a coffee station in your bedroom. Why See, not? Absolutely. And even things like why why are hotels, why did they have the monopoly on those lamps that have the plugs on them so you can charge your phone? They should make those I have for one domestic of those. what? In your house? In my house. Did you steal it from a hotel? No, I bought it at Target. <gasps> I've never seen one in the wild. Oh my God. Yeah, Suze. That's very handy. And I don't understand why they're not more widespread. Let me tell you, Ren is the king of turning this house into a like tech, like- I love it. Oh, I mean, uh, 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 she who (laughs) shall not be named so that I don't call her into action, Mm -hmm. uh, like- totally like run stuff and lights turn on and things go off and everything is like it's great Mm -hmm. so we got it dialed in and you need that that's that's necessary and by the way (laughs) since you guys are techie people this is not an ad i just downloaded an app called jumbo and jumbo monitors all the like stuff where people steal your information and like you know like facebook shares all your info with advertisers and stuff you can basically yeah. shut it all down including alexa um oh, it'll delete all your voice recordings yes, or i'll remember it because <gasps> yes, you know like because i did just discover said, that that's a thing yes and that's embarrassing uh, well, um yeah but if you download that app jumbo you can keep yeah. an eye on all that <laughs> yeah i'm gonna totally i'm gonna remember that. again yes. not an ad just i love right, it not an ad just like stuff we like mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it is. I'm finding that, you know, now after being quarantined for as long as we have been, uh, you really like find what matters and yes. what's important mm-hmm. and what like I'm what I'm willing to like. Yep. Let's let's like, spend the money to get that thing that. Yeah. Because it know, improves the quality of life. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. my robot vacuum. Yes, exactly. I, it's made you so happy. I read happy. a whole article. It's like so happy. It's brought me so much joy. Um, uh, uh, I read a whole article on how um, the like iRobot or Roomba or whatever has been the um, like 
uh, uh, item of the quarantine. Oh, it's like, catching on. Yes, and like stocks, like I wish I would have project like predicted that. Right, right. Who would have known though? Yeah, of all things. Because like if I'm the one, it, I it makes total sense. You're inside. You actually look at your floors. Yeah, and, and now there are more people. Yeah, and uh, like in in the house, oh, like it's amazing. I, I did. I, I I don't like thinking about it, but it's like all stuff that the human body sheds. Oh, gross. Yeah. Right. Dust and do- the dogs and the dirt and the eh, and the yeah humans the are gross skin humans are really gross. Okay. All right, Suze, the last story I have for you, okay. and well, maybe we'll see, uh, uh, is so magical and so wonderful. It like touched my heart, and I hope I'm not overselling it. But <laughs> my mom sent me this, so shout out to mom for sending me this. Like, and I should t- I I guess it's because you know she doesn't have a U.S. phone number, but. Like why do why do parents love to email us? Like like oh my god, memes forward and forward, stuff. yeah, forward 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 forward. Why is that a thing? Oh my god. I mean that's another subject, but let's <laughs> stick to how much I love her for sending me this okay. and how great she is. That's the important part. Um, so I want to send you a video on a secret language that you may not have seen. I'm excited. Before. I love languages. Yes, I, you're gonna love this. Okay. <laughs> Tell me when you get it. Okay, guys. It's been acting weird. Okay, let me listen here. Oh, you're actually going to hate this. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah. I didn't even realize. Oh, my freaking Sarah, this is hilarious. I didn't even realize. might be your worst nightmare language i'm not editing this out you definitely shouldn't (laughs) i did not even realize this is hilarious here i am saving this story thinking like this is so good i can't wait to tell her about the bird language (laughs) thinking that that is what that i should call it but the truth is this is your worst nightmare because it's a entire language (laughs) (laughs) what are these bozos whistling about sarah oh my gosh you know what it's hilarious you're the wrong audience okay but i should have picked some i know it's okay that people can pause it and rewind and listen to that i like hear about this story hear it um could you hear what i was hearing yeah okay you have to read the thing so i want to tell you about this because you have to read the stuff about it it's so freaking good so now that you've seen a little bit of it and you have to watch this video on it because you have to really see it to believe it but what that video is that i sent Susie, uh is a story about a village in turkey that has this language that they is like a bird language it sounds but here's the thing Susie. do you like birds you like i do yeah i love birds this is what they sound like. Yeah, it I doesn't like that. sound like the annoying guy, like at yes. the bottom of the, uh, 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 you know, sweeping in Brazil. Right. It, this is like they have taught uh, generations, yes, to communicate because they're they're farmers in a mountain range, and they they needed to be able to communicate. And who are and they communicating with? The birds to each other. Why to, they don't this long before cell phones they were they would just send messages to each other like hey come you, on whatever it was come home for dinner hey uh, uh, I need you to pick up a loaf of bread whatever it is and so they would they live in this in this valley where there's you know sound can echo 
Wow. And so they develop a language made of whistles where there's over like 10,000 different words. Come on. And yes, and they teach it in a school. There's only a select, there's not even that many people who speak it, but uh, uh, I don't know. For real, it's really cool. And like, it really is cool. And it says that there there are 10,000 people in the larger region that speak it. And um, because of the increased use of cell phones, which removes the the need for voices to carry over great distances, the number is dwindling, but yeah. they're still teaching it to like little kids at school. And oh it was just named a, like, I think maybe in 2012 or something. I'm trying to find where it says, but they just named it an official language. Oh, in 2017, the United Nations called it, uh, uh, put it on the list of intangible culture, so culture cool. heritage. And That's it, great. Yeah, it really is cool. It's hilarious that you sent it after we talked about whistling. But hilarious. I like, I, I couldn't have set myself up <laughs> any better slash worse. Because as soon as I went to go, the words came out of my mouth. It's a whole language of... And I was like, oh, oh fuck. No. <laughs> what have I done? Oh, what have I done? And I was like, because when I watched this video this morning, at first I was like, oh, what is this my mom sent me? Yeah. And then, because she was like, this is great for the podcast. And, you know... She said that before, she and it's like right. she was. And sometimes she's right, and sometimes I'm like, "Mom, I can't even open that Pandora's box because you're going to need <laughs> like a freaking you know PhD to even understand that." I don't even understand what that says. Oh, so I was like, "This is so good. People are going to love this." And when I watched the whole video, it like brought tears to my eyes yeah. because like talking about in the same way that that um, the video on the about the woman who runs the wo- woman yeah. from Mexico yeah. who was winning all the races, how that made me feel. It's just like this. This like beautiful thing about culture that, especially since I've been thinking so much about the what you said last week or uh, maybe it was a little bit ago, but about how like now we've gotten to the point where technology is like, mm-mm. yeah. Like, it, I know I felt like, bad about saying that, but I do no, feel it's it. getting more and more. Oh. Now I remember the John Oliver that was awful and nobody should watch. <laughs> uh, face recognition technology. Oh right. Well, jeezy crazy if that isn't terrifying yeah. and awful. So, yeah. That, and I was like, see, yep, this is what Susie was saying. Technology. Nope. 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 So well, and I this is, think these things make me. If, I, if you're anything like me, when you watch something like that, that feeling that you have, I would think is hope and a feeling of like belief mm, yes. in humans yes. and community and innovation. Yes. yes. That doesn't require technology, it just requires our minds and hearts. And that's a beautiful yes. idea that we must yes. cling to right now or we'll want to chop yes. off our penises. And Yes. Yeah. Yes. All of that. Thank you. You yeah. are so good at taking like my 1,000 words and being like, hang on a sec. Let me, let me, let me give you uh, 10 to 100 that matter. No, but- I just share, I share the sentiment because things can feel really bleak right now. And things like that yeah. make you realize, like, okay, we've got this. And it's it's just beautiful because it really is something that's – and it takes connection to pass down that information. Yeah. I love uh, a tribal knowledge. I agree. And I think that is, is something that is so important and beautiful. And, and yeah, we do need – to, and it does – it's like the stuff that – yeah, you strip it all away and it's about all the good stuff. Thank you. That's yes, exactly no, thank it. you. I'm so glad you shared it, even though there was yeah, whistling. And it totally, it to- it is hilarious. <laughs> well, that might be one of, I'll, I'll write that down in my personal list of 
<laughs> favorite moments because I, <laughs> I wish that were on video of my face when I Panic. realized what I had done. Well, I'm super excited because we have guests on today and they are the hosts from a show, uh, well, actually a podcast called Call Your Girlfriend. You may have heard of it. It's a very popular yeah. show. Yeah. Um, Aminatu So and Anne Friedman had wrote the book that I told you about last week called Big Friendship. And remember how I said they went to couples therapy for friends? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this. I think our listeners will really like this because what they wanted to do was, you know how, let's say you're having trouble in your marriage. There's mm-hmm. so many resources that you can read to help yeah. you find communication skills and stuff, but there isn't as much for platonic female or male relationships and how to get them back on track if you're losing each other or feeling oh, disconnected. Yeah. And so I feel like that concept and I need this. Yeah. It's we really all, this cool. Is beautiful. <clears throat> Cause you know, they were having a bit of issues. Like they work together, they they're best friends, but like things were just feeling off and weird and they wanted to fix it. And so they wrote about their journey and how it went. And it's a really fun read and I think our listeners will like it. It's called Big Friendship. It's out tomorrow. Um, I mean, not too so, and Ann Friedman, and their book is called Big Friendship. So check that out and welcome them to Break Candy. Thank you so much for coming on the show, you guys. I loved your book, Big Friendship. Congratulations on it. How the heck does it feel to um, be promoting in this weird pandemic moment? Is it a bummer? (laughs) bummer? It's not a bummer. I will. Um, I think that it's less about it being a bummer than it being very strange. You know, it just, it feels very, very strange. Um, and they're actually, Anne and I work like this very much. We don't live in the same city. We, um, you know, we have really good ways of connecting with each other over the internet. So in some ways, like nothing is different for us for work, but I am genuinely sad that we will not get to be together on, um, you know, the day that our book launches. But other than than that, you know, I think um, I, yeah, I just, I think the whole thing just feels strange, but it's not unlike the strangeness of the pandemic in general for everyone. Yeah. It's starting to feel normal, I suppose. I just feel like if I wrote a book, I would want that moment of relief when you finally get to see humans that have read it and have like a connection in person. I don't know. Well, and also to celebrate it, the two of us, I think we've talked about that a lot of like feeling sad that we like aren't going to be in the same place. We aren't going to be able to like go have like a celebratory meal together on yeah. our pub date. Like it's, it's really more, I think for me about that than it is about, you know, being in front of groups of people who have read it or whatever. Yeah. Right. You can't do the rituals to celebrate the moment mm-hmm. for you both. Well, can you tell me before I dive into the content in the book, can you tell me about the process through which you did a book together? Cause that, I'm always fascinated by how that works. Like, yeah, you have a I mean, process where it's like, you write this and then we'll compare notes. Like, what's the process? Yeah, you know, we figured out a process as we were going. And for us, what we found that worked best was that um, we, it was best to be in the same place um, to write. Um, we would outline together, you know, and like talk, talk through every single thing that we were trying to do. And then we would go separately in the same, you know, like room or house or whatever, um, do whatever the writing assignment was and then come back, compare notes, read it out loud to each other and then find like, oh, this 
I had the exact same story or it's funny. I, I chose the exact same thing where sometimes it was like, oh, I don't remember it like that at all. And, um, you know, and then we would have to find a way to really edit it together, the two things that we had written. And in terms of tone, do you feel that you write in similar styles so it made sense or is that something you guys had to balance? We definitely share a sense of humor. And I think um, some of the easiest parts of the book to write, I think, were the ones that are like the parts that are taking a bit of a step back to take like more of an opinion stance on something like, you know, we want the world to respect friendship as the important relationship it is, you know, like some of those ideas we are really aligned on. And I think, um, you know, those, those parts of the book were fun to write together, kind of like both figuring out how to support an argument that we really believe in. Um, so, so in that sense, the voice part was easy. I think it was hard because we also obviously have to account for the fact that we are two different humans with two different life experiences. And it really presented this problem on a pronoun level of like, okay, like we're writing this as we, but also, you know, we have two different bodies and two different experiences. And how do we explain where, what we were both saying and doing? And so the book has what I think is like a pretty unique voice, which is we are telling it as a we, but then when we need to talk about ourselves individually, we use an and Aminatu. And, um, and I think that like, you know, you can get into the rhythm of the book and like kind of feel where we're at with that, with that really unique voice. Um, but, um, it definitely took us a while to hit on that. It was so impressive reading it. I just thought, I don't know how they did it, but it is so well done and seamless and effective. So congrats on that. It seems like a huge thing to do, but you did it great. And I think you made such a great point when you said there's so many books dedicated to exploring romantic relationships and marriages. Why do you think there is that gap exploring the foundation of big friendship in this way that you've done? I mean, that is, you know, I think that's the million dollar question right there. Um, (laughs) You know, I think that just culturally we are, um, none of us are conditioned to really understand that friendship is a, a really important, like, cornerstone foundational relationship. Um, When you think about, like, all of the ways that we talk about family, it's still pretty conservative and very traditional. Like, you, you know, it's like a, you, in order to have a next of kin, you either have to be a blood relative to someone or it's someone that you marry. And that is very much deeply rooted in uh, patriarchy and capitalism. And so I, you know, I think that the answer to why we don't have a lot of things that we need is patriarchy and capitalism in general. <laughs> um, you know, but I, but I also think that, you know, on a, on a more personal level, because th- those things are happening at a high level, I also think that um, because so much of that messaging is lost, it also means that, you know, um, even for us, people who are really progressive and have like, you know, an expansive sense of what family is and an expansive sense of what um, what our community is and who our world is, there was still a pretty big gap about saying, um, oh, this person is my friend. They mean the world to me. And I would like to shout on every rooftop about it and um, and it not feel weird, you know, because I think that when something is not a, a strong cultural norm, um, even if you're doing something that you know is right, it feels um, it feels strange to do it because 
you are not really practiced at doing it in the same way that, you know, I, we're practiced at talking about our romantic relationships or talking about our family, you know, our family relationships. Well, yeah. And in many, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, even on a level of language, like this is why, you know, we came up with this term big friendship because, um, you know, it felt a little infantilizing to call each other a BFF or a bestie, even though we do use those terms sometimes. It didn't seem to carry the weight that our actual friendship and relationship carries. And so um, wanting to kind of come up with a vocabulary and a really robust description for what a big friendship is, um, was definitely related to this question you asked about why isn't it more valued? Like we don't even have the words to value it more. Right. And I'm just hoping that some dudes read this too, because they tend to rely on their, their partners for the totality of their meaningful friendships. And it might be nice if they established a relationship in the way that you two have spread the word. We'll, we'll see about that. Um, I love that you shared your origin story and the significance of how much you love hearing other friendship origin stories. And you spoke about how you didn't want to get into each other's pants, but you wanted to get into each other's brains, which I love. And I'm wondering what it was about each of you that attracted the other one in that way. What was it about the brains? I mean, I, you know, it's, We've we've written so many words about this now that at this point I'm like, huh, like no, what do sorry. I remember? What do I? No, no, it's not you. I'm like, what do I remember from before? And what have I, you know, what's the new story that I'm telling myself? I, you know, I think that for like speaking strictly for myself, I think that there is just always a feeling of, whoops, sorry, sorry, I don't know what happened. No um, you know, speaking speaking strictly for myself, I think that there, I always get this really exciting feeling when. I meet someone who I think is really smart and is really fun at the same time. And, um, you know, there's, there's almost like a, you don't quite, you can't put your finger on it, but there is just that the friend vibe is really, really strong. And from the moment that I walked into the gossip girl viewing party that Anne and I were like, I, the vibe was strong. I liked the outfit she was wearing. I liked the jokes she was making. I, you know, like I liked who she was and, um, you know, and it's, and that's something that, you know, you can, you can say that about some, someone that you, you have a romantic crush on and everyone knows exactly what you mean. But I think that with friends, it's the exact same thing. Like I can tell you from that first year of being friends with Anne, just how every time I would see her, like every outfit she wore was 10 out of 10. You know, I was like, yes, this (laughs) is my, like, she is such a babe. I want to be friends with this babe. And it was so great. And it worked out really well for me. Uh, And I also think part of that feeling is like the dynamic you have together, because one thing I really remember from our meeting is like this kind of sense of effortlessness, you know, Um, which doesn't exist with everyone you meet for the first time. You know, like some people, you know, it's awkward in the beginning. Humans are awkward. (laughs) Some people, it never stops being awkward. And like for the two of us, it really felt like there was immediately this ease of back and forth. And I really... And maybe it was because I was like so into everything she was saying. I was just like, tell me more. I want to hear, I want to hear every single word that comes out of your mouth. And and that led to a different kind of interaction from me too. But, um, but yeah, it definitely is also a shared dynamic. It's just, it's not just how we felt separately about each other. It was like this real, there was a real like crackle of excitement between us, I think from the first day. 
And also, I think it's, uh, you know, it's important to say that the person that introduced us to each other is someone that we are both like super excited about. Like she has yeah. great taste in people. She has great taste in all sorts of things. And, you know, when, when Dio said to me, I want you to meet my friend Anne, uh, I was already excited at the prospect of meeting Anne. And so I think that all of those things together just really, you know, it was, it, we were, we were like a friend set up, you know, yeah. and it worked out really well. Yeah, you. She's like a friend influencer. That lady. Mm. <laughs> she really is. She primed you. Okay. She said the foundation. My co-host and I um, are pe- people would perceive us to be very similar, but my sense is we have a, like a Felix and Oscar odd couple thing going on in terms of work <laughs> um, style. Um, and I'm wondering who you people might identify more with because I'm more. Um, I label everything. I want everything organized. I'm always on time, like kind of annoyingly like (laughs) (laughs) anal and she's real laid back, free spirit. Do you guys have that dynamic or at all, or is it more just balanced? I mean, that's, I think that's a, I don't know. I think that, you know, there are, my experience of working with Anne is that she is very much like, likes the label, likes the schedule. Um, you know, everything is in the right place at the right time. The, the spreadsheets are so beautiful that, you know, like I will never work with anyone as organized as her, which I really appreciate. Um, I would not say that I'm necessarily laid back, um, but, um, but my style is different. So that is true. <laughs> There is a, I am I am the element of chaos in this um, in this duo for sure. I well I would say that the whole dynamic of like one of us being more chaotic and messy and the other one being more organized doesn't really fit. But I do think that we have different sensitivities and different like styles for sure. And mm-hmm. um, one thing that you know we talk about a lot is it is true that you see those differences in style and as we were writing the book and like how our words come out and how we like to kind of work on a creative project. But it's far more pronounced when you think about the way we work with all the other people you have to work with to get a book out, you know, um, our publisher and how we make choices about our priorities and how we like a meeting to run and what we perceive as being like, you know, something we're not willing to put up with for like, for what the reward is and what we are like, okay, you know, this is, everyone's kind of disorganized sometimes. Like we both have different, um, I don't know the right word, like standards is the wrong word, but we both have different ways of kind of feeling out all of the different types of situations you can get into when you collaborate with someone on work. And so it's, I have yet to see like in pop culture, uh, a working duo dynamic that really nails what our dynamic is. Yeah. You know, I think there are elements of a lot of different ones. Yeah, I sensed that when I was reading it, and I thought I, I just wanted to know more and and understand you both better because it was so intriguing to me, and of course relatable because I'm in a podcast relationship with my bestie. Um, however, I have got to talk about couples therapy. I'm not over it. Like, I don't think I like anyone enough to go to couples therapy. Were you both equally enthusiastic about that? I mean, I think you're you're talking about, um, you know, the we write about going to therapy to fix um, the a lot of things that were wrong in our relationship. 
I will say that, you know, the things that led us to therapy were really, really, really painful. So it makes me really happy that we can all laugh about it now because um, truly there was nothing funny about it at the moment. And, um, you know, but I think that um, it just really underscored for me just how serious we were about each other, where we were not communicating well, we were not happy, we were really stumbling Um each in our own way to try to, you know, try to fix what the gap was. And we just could not, we couldn't figure it out. I would try something and, you know, it was like, it was not working. And Anne would try something that I wasn't even realizing she was trying. And that was also not working. And so I think that for me, the, the, the experience of going to therapy, it it told me like, oh, there's still one more thing we can try. Mm -hmm. There's one more thing we can try. And if the other person is willing to do it, even though we both feel so gross and not great, um, you know, I'm like, that's a little bit of hope. And I will always cling on to a little bit of hope. And, you know, and then, and then, you know, like the experience of going to therapy together also just showed me um, what I love so much about what, what I love about Anne, because on one, on one level, we're able to have this meta conversation about scheduling and, you know, like who is paying the therapist this week and, uh, you know, is the therapist really working for us? It's like, okay, like things are hard, but we can get through this because (laughs) we are doing the business of being in therapy together. And were you the one that liked that part where they make you, they like repeat what you say? They're like, what I think I'm hearing is, did you enjoy that? (laughs) Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we are both people who are um, really preoccupied with like, are we expressing ourselves clearly or are we expressing ourselves the way we want to express ourselves? And so I did I did like that in a way because it's like a real time check on like, am I, am I getting it right? Like, am I saying outside something that approximates what I'm feeling inside? But that does not mean it was like super pleasant or, or not stressful. Um, And I think, you know, part of what I learned about this process is like just how hard it is for me to articulate my emotions in real time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I think that, look, that's hard for everyone in different ways, but back to your question about how we're different. Um, Therapy was a real illuminating process of the ways in which on this kind of fundamental emotional level, we're different people too. And I am not 100% sure we would have gotten to some of those revelations about our different emotional dynamics if we hadn't had the, um, the sort of safe space of therapy in which to talk about them. I'm so glad you shared that story because I was just like super into it but also horrified because I would not want to do it. So <laughs> it was fascinating. And I'm so glad it was useful and, and was effective in helping you guys. Because you said in the book that, um, I think you framed it as like, you want to feel like your friendship is rooted in the future, not just, you know, mm-hmm. a, a legacy friend kind of thing. Do you feel that that's more established now or is it still just something you're working through? I mean, I, you know, I think that from the earliest years of our friendship, we had jokes about, um, you know, like our golden girls Lanai situation. So I believe, I believe that our friendship has been rooted in the future for as long, for as long as we've been friends, you know, and, and part of writing this book and, um, you know, and big friendship, how we keep each other close is really puzzling through, um, how do you do that? You know, like if you are someone who is, invested in having your friend in your life over the long term, um, 
and recognize that life is tumultuous in so many ways. And also that just as a human, you are constantly changing and evolving and that that has to happen alongside all your relationships. Um, you have to do work to make that happen because it's not a seamless, it's not a seamless transition. People don't stay friends over 40, 50, you know, whatever years and, um, and not have to work through a lot of the things that we are working through. Right. Yeah. It's inspiring though, because I think there is a sense of like different stages for different ages. So then when you maybe outgrow a friend that can be okay, but it is nice to have some that carry on over the years. And you kind of gave a blueprint on how one might do that. Um, I wanted to ask you, cause we're podcasters too. Um, to what degree do you feel like you must disclose problems within your friendship on the air? Cause you talk about a private and public friendship and I find that same issue with us. So what do you, what's your sense? Well, I think that our show is is very much about us and what we think about the world. And it's about our kind of conversational dynamic. But it isn't really about what's happening between us in most cases. You know, we've done some episodes that are more explicitly. But, you know, week in and week out, we are mostly looking outward and not inward at our own relationship. And so um, the conflict doesn't always present itself. I think that, speaking only for myself, I never really feel good about talking about it if we aren't talking about it or it at some sort of point of acknowledgement or agreement privately. And so I, when we write about periods of our friendship where we were really struggling to connect with each other in private, it, it really felt just like incomprehensible to talk about it on the podcast because we weren't, we weren't talking about it when the microphone wasn't on. It didn't seem like it, we were, um, it wasn't like we were having this robust and clear conversation about what was happening with us and then just deciding not to put it on the air. You know, we were kind of working through it in real time. And um, one thing that is really, really great about writing a book is it allows you to have the perspective and the distance from, from something like that and really present it all together as opposed to trying to muddle through it in real time, which sounds fascinating. I would listen to a show where people are muddling through their, <laughs> their relationship problems in real time, but but it's just, it's not something that at least I was able to even conceive of. Did you have any kind of um, fundamental disagreement about what should or shouldn't be included in this book? Um, I don't think so. I don't think that we had, uh, you know, there wasn't a story that was like, you can't tell that story or no, no, like we're not going there. I think that if anything, there were a lot of, um, the thing that presented itself more was, when we shared about something that was, you know, like maybe hard or tender, realizing, oh, we have two different perspectives on this, you know? And so um, how do you feel? How do I feel? And then what do the receipts actually say about yeah. what happened there? And so um, if anything, I, you know, that for me was actually like super healing and great because we got to, and I, I don't think that I will ever have this experience in most of my friendships where you put all of the hard stuff on the table and you say, okay, here's how I felt then. Here's how I feel now. How did you feel then? How do you feel now? Also, what actually happened? Because, you know, I think that um, everyone just brings their own, everyone brings their own perspective to something that, you know, that hurt them. Um, you know, but I think that it's also fair to say that, you know, the same thing that Anne was saying about the podcast, we are not... Um, 
we're not looking in, inward every week on the show. And I think that with the book also, we chose the stories and um, we chose stories to share that really illustrated the points that we were trying to make. So you don't have every single conflict that we've ever had in there. You don't have every single thing that's hard that's ever happened in there. It was a really conscious choice of this, you know, like this conflict or this story is the best way to get to um, telling the point about, you know, a specific concept or something that we were trying to reach at. And, you know, and to go back a little further to, to what you said, I think that there's, there's this real tendency. Um, I think like, especially in, you know, like shows that women and shows that like women host or things that women do to like the public really wanting a kind of oversharing, you know, that I think is not, um, it's just not realistic to how people are just because, um, you know, I imagine that you and your co-host also have a lot of private things in your life because you don't share them on the air. It does not mean that you are hiding them or that you are lying about them. It means that uh, it does not fit in the rubric of your show. And so I, um, you know, I, I think about like privacy a lot in my own and like kind of like, you know, what I'm, what I'm happy to share with people and what I'm not happy to do. I think that it's really important to remember um, you know, for people like us and for people like you who make a show, it's actually sharing of your story is an act of generosity for other people because you share to illuminate what's, you know, um, you share to illuminate things that are hard to talk about. It is not something that people are entitled to. And it's also not something that people do um, just for the heck of it. And so I think that when I think about the ways that we we carefully choose to disclose it really is in that spirit of, oh, if this happened to us, I bet it's also happening to other people. And um, it would be nice to talk about with a lot of people because then we can all reach a shared understanding of how to put this thing to bed. Yeah, you guys are doing the Lord's work. For real. <laughs> so helpful. <laughs> We're not going that far, but thank you. <laughs> well, because my co-host and I, we have a podcast, but we were both from reality TV. And I think when you get paid to be yourself, especially for a long time, it becomes very confusing in terms of, and we're obviously not good at censoring ourselves. That's why we were on the shows to begin with. So <laughs> it's helpful to see people who do it in a healthy way. <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys do an amazing job with that. I hope you keep up the good work. I love the book. I have um, a last question we ask everybody, and that is what do you guys, if you have a car, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Well, I will go first. I am a classic East Coast New Yorker and I do not own a car. So there is nothing in the trunk of my car. <laughs> do you have a, a backpack or anything? Sometimes New Yorkers use a backpack instead. Listen, I have a go bag that is, oh. if shit hits the roof, like I can be out of here James Bond style in 10 minutes. So I, I'm <laughs> in there. those things are really helpful. I don't know, like my passport, some cash, some, you know, just oh my God. Um, some, some meals that don't require, uh, you know, like a stove. There's a whole, wow. uh, and you know this, you have the earthquake kit. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do, but it's in my shed, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a little bit like, um, I think it's a little less uh, thoughtful than yours is. Like, queen of the go bag. Listen, here's what I would keep in the trunk of my car if I had a car. I would have a Pendle, I would have a Pendleton blanket in there because you always need a blanket. I would have one of those things that you can shatter open your window with. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, my God. Yeah. A safety oh, hammer? <laughs> yes, like a little safety hammer. Like one of those little ones in case you need it. And also, I would probably have some water in there. That's it. 
Wow, you are a real troubleshooter. I love it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny you say that because the one thing that is always in my trunk is a blanket. It is a heavy blanket, but it's but it's a cotton. It's mostly cotton because the Pendleton wool is not good if you need it like at the beach and it gets wet, like wool at the beach. Mm -mm. Um, And also, like you never know. I am perpetually cold. And Southern California is like winter is just nighttime, you know, like once the sun goes down. Anyway, I have used the blanket for spontaneous picnics and beaches and keeping myself warm. And yes, um, always there. And then the other thing that is in my trunk is a backup pair of glasses. Because <laughs> oh. I am, I am truly like, I am, I have horrible eyes and if I were ever out and about and like driving and like lost a contact or like someone stepped probably me, someone stepped on my glasses or whatever, I would literally not be able to drive myself home. So that is the other nerdy thing in my trunk. That's the first time anyone said that. That's a good one. Please keep them in the glove box, Anne. What if you can't (laughs) see your way to the trunk? I'm so worried now. You know the limits of my vision. Yeah, not seeing my way to the (laughs) trunk is a reality. I would have to probably feel my, I could probably feel my way there, I think, but... Oh my God. That's great. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe the glove box, just something to think about. You Mm -hmm. can always move. Um, Is there anything else you want to add that I didn't ask that you'd like to share? No, this was great. Thank you so much for having us. So kind. I feel so honored. You're like best friends with Hillary. Stop. (laughs) I can't even stand it. Uh, No, congratulations. You guys are killing it. Keep up the great work. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank thanks you for having so us. much for your time. Say hi to your co-host. I we hope you yes. have a great. We we hope you have a great pandemic day, and you do something <laughs> nice for yourself. Thank True. you. You too. Don't work too hard. You guys need to hydrate. You know all the interviews. Thank. I'm fully hydrating. Okay. Bye. Bye.